I'm not sure there's a lot of people who would associate Sherlock Holmes with spiritualism, unless maybe you're a deep, avid reader of those books. I'm certainly not. I have a feeling you aren't either. <laughs> I am a big fan of the movies, that's for no, sure. Go. That's one step in. Well, there's a little bit of a twist because the author of the Sherlock Holmes books spent a big part of his life investigating psychic and paranormal phenomena. So he was sort of a real life spiritual detective. I love that for him. It's like, write what you know, you know, but I just pictured him walking around with a big magnifying glass. So I didn't really know. I didn't really know this. So I'm very excited. Maybe that's how he found his first ghost. I don't know. <laughs> everyone and welcome to Rituals, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm M. Schultz. And I'm Christine Schieffer. Every week we'll explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. So we are talking about Arthur Conan Doyle this week and we actually have covered some of this era on mm. our other podcast and that's why we drink when I covered Harry Houdini and his relationship. They to were pals, right? They were buds and then they became frenemies. <gasps> frenemies. I remember. I yeah. remember. We've we even though I've talked about Houdini and everything on that podcast, we've never gotten into like the meat and potatoes of ACD. So very excited <laughs> oh, I, about oh, that. Oh, I'm sorry. Are we calling him ACD now? Okay, Sir ACD. Last Sir, I checked. Sir ACD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah to yeah. you. So let's crack into it. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by The Weather Channel. The key to solving any mystery? Smart decisions based on the facts. In the case of the weather's effect on your well-being, turn to the Weather Channel app. It clues you in on how weather shapes your mood, health, and productivity with insights built on reliable forecast data to help you thrive. Because mystery belongs in true crime, not weather. Be a force of nature with the Weather Channel app. Christine, how familiar are you with Sherlock Holmes? Well, like I said, I have this beautiful image in my mind's eye of a man with a cool floppy hat uh, with a magnifying glass kind of wandering around looking at stuff. And if you did watch the movies, you know that uh, his best friend is your favorite Jude Law. So, yeah, Jude Law, I don't like to bring up in these shows anymore because <laughs> most of the time everyone says I'm wrong, that he's not where I think he is. But I'm glad that you finally admitted Jude Law is is in my mindscape here. For those wondering, Jude Law seems to be in Christine's constant zeitgeist. He is. He's everywhere. She thinks he's, she sees him everywhere. So 
I don't think that's true, but he is certainly, if you're looking at the Sherlock Holmes movies, he is there. Just well, the irony you. is I've never seen the movies, so I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even realize. <laughs> well, you also were a private investigator, much like oh, Sherlock that's Holmes. true. Maybe that's where it like hits me right in the soul, you know? But you're more familiar with ACD, right? A little bit? I am. I So I'm very big on the spiritualist era of uh, Houdini versus Arthur Conan Doyle when they, you know, when they have their big, I don't know if they have a battle royale, but in my head they do. But <laughs> I really was a big fan of uh, learning about mediums through them because they're mm. they're very much enmeshed in spiritualist history, which is very fun for me. Have you experienced anything yourself with mediums or psychics? Well, so actually, this involves your girlfriend, Em, so maybe you'll be interested in one of my stories for once. No, so in D.C., when we moved to D.C., uh, Allison and I were ex- new roomies and we were exploring the area and there was um, this psychic named I think her name was Jessica. It just said like palm reader, Jessica. <laughs> Jessica the psychic. I love it. <laughs> you had to walk. It was in Georgetown. You had to walk up this really steep staircase. And I was like, let's do it. And Allison was like, I don't think that's a good use of our very limited money. And I was like, let's do it anyway. So we went, <laughs> of course. And when we sat with the psychic, I remember being annoyed because I was like, oh, she's nothing she's saying is true. She said, Wow, she was talking to Allison was like, you are such a worldly, well-traveled person. And Allison looked at me like, I haven't really done much traveling. And I was like, uh, well, I, you know, I've traveled quite a bit, but like, whatever. And then she told me, like, well, she basically insinuated that my boyfriend and I were not a great match, which, you know, ultimately <laughs> she was correct on that one. Jessica, it took a little while to warm up, but she got there. Ding, ding, ding. She did get there because she also said to us, oh, and you're living with someone, the initials. JM will become very important to you. And I yelled, oh, Michael Jackson, because he had just died. And she was like, she was like, it's not Michael Jackson. First of all, I said JM. And second of all, like, this isn't about Michael Jackson. (laughs) Um, And I was like, wow, this lady is annoying. I was very frustrated. Well, it turns out Allison has like traveled the world, lived all over the world in different countries, speaks all sorts of languages, just very well traveled. I obviously got cheated on and dumped by that guy so you know she was jessica she called me out there and we were roommates and we were like that's weird why would we live with another person well guess what our lovely university threw a third person into our two-person dorm with the initials jm and it didn't occur to me till months later and and allison was like remember that psycho we went to what did she say and i was like oh yeah she said like jm was gonna live with us or something and lo and behold, it kind of hit me. So psychic Jessica, I'm sorry I, you know, didn't believe you at first, but she kind of knew what she was talking about. I, I was kind of hoping at the end you'd find out that Jessica's last name started <laughs> with an moving M and on she in. just <laughs> comes home with you. She just comes home with you. Not quite. Well, I'm glad to hear that Jessica eventually swayed you into being a little <laughs> bit more of a believer. And uh, Arthur Conan Doyle was also swayed into being a believer eventually. So. Mm. I have had quite a few paranormal experiences as you know as probably a lot of people who are listening know I I used to be an investigator um that was my college job and it was a great gig (laughs) instead of like I don't know being your normal like barista I got to go ghost hunting at night but I've had a lot of ghost experiences ever since I was a little kid I saw my grandpa when I was seven Mm -hmm. um you and I have had a lot of creepy stuff happen to us we were in New Orleans one time and there was this little boy named michael who wouldn't it was a ghost not a a living little boy he wouldn't leave our hotel room which 
once had been an orphanage. Yeah, I have a bad habit, as Em likes to say, of booking the most haunted place imaginable just for fun. Um, for the whimsy. For the whimsy of it. <laughs> and we were in the room and Em and I, yeah, anyway, it was very chaotic. But then we later found out that this was an orphanage or a former orphanage. And mm. um, also we were on the sixth floor, which was the most haunted. So, of course, yeah, that's where Michael. It was like an up. orphanage that like had. What did it burn down? Something, Something horrible tragic, happened. Tragic, of course. It was a bunch of children ghosts, and we had brought. I always feel like I'm carrying around some little piece of ghosty equipment when we're <laughs> traveling because I know what Christine's going to put me through. So I'm like, I might as well be prepared. You're like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. You're like, I'm going to do my own little mini seances no matter where I go. Well, once someone keeps knocking on our door who isn't there and uh, keeps messing with our electronics, I feel like it's 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 high time. So it's high time. We've had that together. We've had Christine used to have a ghost in her old house named Walter. That yeah, we had, I miss Walter. That we talked to a few times. Your current mm. house is certainly haunted. I, I felt yeah. that the entire time I was there. Yeah, we've hear, heard some voices. I, I feel like it's just like to an extent. I know ACD seemed a little dramatic, but like I kind of get it to an extent, you know? Let's just say if ACD and I were to have like a sit down at a coffee shop, I would certainly keep him entertained for a while. I think Probably. he would too. And fun fact, Mr. Arthur Conan Doyle and I actually have a little bit of a connection. We're colleagues. Did you know this? Ooh, I'm sorry, what? I don't know what the right at word the, is. At the uh, coffee shop, baristas? <laughs> I don't know if it's like cohorts is the right or fellows. I don't know. But we are a part of uh, quite a few of the same organizations, oh. um, which uh, I'll mention later on. Arthur Conan Doyle grew up in the 1860s to the 1870s with a mother who told him some very imaginative stories that he said were so vivid that it blurred his reality. You know, that sounds frightening because I have a child now and I feel like I'm going to, you know, read books and tell stories. But like, what's the line? Like, where's the imaginative line where you're going to blur the reality of your child by telling him? I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's a very alarming sentence for some reason. I think you'll only find out when it's too late and maybe (laughs) and maybe you'll you'll know it when you see it (laughs) when your daughter becomes the next Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh, okay. It does make sense. I mean, if he, you know, was an author and he was always inspired by these, you know, vivid stories in his head, it it tracks, I think. Yeah, it does make sense. Do you think being more creative like he was in the kind of in the arts and his family was also in the arts? Do you Mm. think that might have lent him to be more open-minded about spiritualism and all that kind of stuff? I would think so, right? I feel like um, it's it's the more left-brained folks tend to be more kind of visual, creative, that kind of thing, than, you know, the more analytical people, I would I would say. I think you have to have a dash of whimsy to... Just a, just a little sprinkle of whimsy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was what uh, Doyle's parents were. They studied art. They expected mm. uh, their son to get into art, but he decided to take a sharp left turn and he went to medical school instead. Oh my goodness. Okay. That is a, quite a turn. He was like, enough art for me. So uh, <laughs> at medical school is when he actually started writing, which is kind of ironic. Okay. And that's where he met the professor who was his inspiration behind Sherlock Holmes. Oh, okay. So his professor walked around with a big magnifying glass and a trench coat and he was like this guy is a character in the making well it also makes me think i wonder if he because if you throw the medical part in Uh it makes me think not just of sherlock holmes but also of watson because he was a doctor who helped sherlock holmes right 
I don't know. Is it Jude Law? Is that it's Jude, Jude Law? Law. <laughs> Shut up. Okay, I'm following now. I think I'm going to watch that after we record. Also, it's not far of a stretch from what I imagine. Remember the TV show House? Oh, yes. I also never watched that, but I remember it. I feel like it was that was a doctor version of Sherlock Holmes also. So Yeah, yeah. Solving mysteries on the daily. Yeah. So it seems pretty fitting that, you know, his real life, if you combine medical school with Sherlock Holmes investigative tendencies, it all kind of makes sense. Yeah. So now Doyle got interested in faith and spirituality too, not just fiction. Mm. So he didn't really start writing about it until 1918, a couple decades after he started writing Sherlock Holmes. Which I I think that's like such a wild polar opposites because he's now famous for this like, you know, this guy who's all about rational, you know, critical thinking. And now he's like skipping over to like faith based writing. You know, this is really like striking a nerve here in a good way, because I feel like like you said, I was a private investigator. You were the paranormal investigator. And I feel like that combo works really well. And that's kind of what he plotted out there in his little writing. It's like we're characters of ACD. Also, talk about a range of writing because you can go from scientific to whimsy uh, (laughs) at the drop of a hat. Look at him go. He's so amazing. But before his written work, he had gotten involved in some physical investigations. He was really into the possibility of psychic and paranormal phenomena. So, okay, okay. I wonder where that would have landed him today. Probably uh, in the good graces, hopefully, of, you know, maybe we'd be friends, I'd like to think. I'd like to think we would want to be friends. And he'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm really busy, is what I picture. (laughs) You know, like we'd be like, we'd make a great match. And he's like, um, maybe someday. So I, I got to go right and go back to medical school. But I'm have a good medical. time over here. <laughs> I love it. So before I go any further, is there anything you're hoping to hear about old ACD? You know, I was hoping to hear more about Jude Law, but I will focus on ACD for this for this one. But I do. I actually am very curious. Like you said, he was um, looking into the possibility of psychic and paranormal phenomena. Like, I want to know, did he find anything? Did Hmm. he? Did he find it? Is there proof? Can I see it? Coming up, Doyle sort of pioneered psychic research, but I'll let you judge whether he was actually a true believer. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
I mentioned that Arthur Conan Doyle really uh, started writing about spiritualism in 1918. Mm -hmm. So that's also the year that his eldest son passed away. But Doyle says that that wasn't actually part of the reason why he started writing about it. I personally feel like that's a pretty personal event that could get you writing. But if you think about it, too, 1918 was right around that second big wave of spiritualism. So he might have just been influenced by everyone else around him to really look into it more seriously. Yeah, I feel like the death of his son probably also didn't hurt his interest. Like it probably at least fueled it. I mean, at least that's my opinion. I don't know. I would imagine it gave him someone to try to reach out to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he said that he started digging into spiritualism way before his son died. And he often would point back to a letter that he wrote in 1887, Mm. way before his son died, where he he published it to a spiritualist newspaper called Light. And in this letter he wrote, he basically told the story of how he became a spiritualist or a believer in it because oh. there was a medium. He had had a series of mediums come to his house, but the thing that like really blew him away was he had one more powerful medium come to his house who told him, do not read this book. And okay. unbeknownst to the medium, he had been wondering earlier that day if he should start that book or not. So that was, <laughs> that was the beginning for him. He was like sold, signed, sealed, delivered. <laughs> Finally answers to my, all my life's great questions. <laughs> I know. I know. So whatever uh, the official triggering event for the beginning of his faith was, he mm-hmm. fully committed to studying faith and spiritualism uh, around that time. And his specialty was psychic and paranormal phenomena. And he got down and dirty into physical investigations. He was very much, you know, an OG ghost hunter. Ooh la la. Okay. Uh, tell me more, please. <laughs> so, so in 1887, Doyle started going to seances. He started watching telepathy experiments and spent time with mediums in South Sea, which is a resort area in England. I'd love to spend some time with mediums in a resort area in England. That sounds like a fun vacation. That sounds like my kind of party. Yeah, I just sit around, swap stories. You know, how some podcasters do like cruises or some entertainers do like cruises. Like, why don't we just go to a resort and say this is now an official business gathering and also a cruise? Yeah. And also, a cru- well, except without the boat and the cruise, because I don't want to be involved in that. But I'll lay on the beach. You can cruise around. It'd be interesting if we decided we were going to do a cruise with a bunch of mediums and only one of them said, don't get on the ship. <gasps> I was going to say, I thought you were going to say only one of them got on the ship. And I was like, I'm not getting on that ship then. But yeah, that's also a conundrum. I, that's why I'm on the beach. You can get on the ship all you want. I'd be like, are you the most powerful one or the least powerful one? I'm confused. Great question. Anyway, that's whoever was hoping to write a mystery novel this year. Use that as your prompt. I was going to say, this sounds like an ACD original. <laughs> In his time, while he's getting into spiritualism, he also joins groups like the Ghost Club and the Society for Psychical Research, which I'm a part of both of them. I knew you were part of the SPR. I don't remember the Ghost Club, though. You know what's so funny? I think I have. Hang on a second. I have. Oh, I have my hat right next to me. Oh, my goodness. Founded 1862. I'm (laughs) a big fan of joining these little clubbies. So, uh As for the SPR, which is probably the the more popular one, it started in 1882 and it studies psychic and paranormal events. And they've researched like telepathy and mediums and thought transference and automatic writing. And they try to take it pretty seriously, scientifically. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And they they were best known originally around Arthur Conan Doyle's time for exposing fraudulent events. So oh. that, that plays into the Harry Houdini mediumship right. stuff. Right. So, okay. uh, yeah, they actually a lot of people ended up leaving the SPR because big believers in spiritualism originally were joining. And then when they found out that the SPR was trying to be very scientific and skeptical, skeptical. about this. Got they it. felt like the, including Arthur Conan Doyle, by the way, they ended up leaving because they felt like it was very anti-spiritualist. Like ruining all the fun. Ruining all the fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. They're not invited to our cruise. Exactly. And so then uh, but a lot of them, I don't know if because of that, they then switched over to the Ghost Club or if they were already part of the Ghost Club. But that is the oldest paranormal investigation organization to exist so it's the world's oldest i love that they get that name the ghost club if you're the first you can call yourself whatever you want i love that i love it and uh just for anyone wondering the main difference is the spr is very scientific and skeptical and the ghost club is pretty much if you're a believer (laughs) that's like 100 percent of the membership it seems you get a hat too you get a hat they still host uh, a lot of social events they still um I get invitations a lot to different uh, paranormal investigations that they're doing. And then they keep you updated. I mean, they have like monthly meetings where they tell you all about things that happened on these investigations and they have lectures and all this stuff. So fun. Anyway, I love being a part of them. And if you want to join, go for it. They both have a pretty easy to navigate website. So Arthur Conan Doyle was one of the members for both of those. And that got him into traveling around for investigations. So some of the spirits he worked with or researched uh one was the dorset child spirit so some Mm. of the cases that doyle got involved with of them this one is what pointed him to being a believer okay so in 1894 doyle and some others from the spr were sent to dorset in southern england and there was a couple living there with their daughter who was hearing weird noises at night and it the noises Mm. that the daughter was hearing it sounded like someone was being tortured. Oh, no. What? Trauma. So the <laughs> dog wouldn't even come inside the house because of the sounds. That's not a good sign, as we know. Firm pass. Always trust animals. So while they were there, Doyle said they witnessed some strange phenomena in the house, but was weirdly vague about it. Oh, but, no. <laughs> but he did. It, they ended up actually finding out that there was a 10-year-old girl buried in the garden. <gasps> Oh, my God. Uh, After the investigation, they, like, properly laid her to rest. But it is creepy that their daughter, who might have been around the same age, was picking (gasps) up on something. Oh, no. And so that was one of the cases that, I guess, convinced him further that spiritualism was worth looking into. No offense, but that's more convincing than, like, hey, don't read that book over there, in my opinion. Like, this sounds, I'm like, I get it. I do. I get it. And also, it makes more sense why he would then start, you know, writing about Sherlock Holmes or at least have new plot points for Sherlock Holmes stories of like, oh, I was walking around and then in the garden we found a body. The dog was acting fishy. Mm -hmm. And there were other cases that proved why it's healthy to be skeptical. So in March 1919, when Doyle attended a seance in Bloomsbury, London. Everyone Mm -hmm. showed up for this seance and they had to bring a personal item and their items got locked up in this box before the medium even got there. Oh, okay. And the medium then held the locked box in her lap and described all the items (laughs) inside. I would have thrown a real like, 
wrench in the mix, like just to like a literal wrench. You would have just put a literal wrench in the mix. <laughs> something like a Furby, something creepy, like just oh, to see no. what would happen. <laughs> She's like, she, there's a full demon in this box. <laughs> I can't understand it, but it says it's hungry. <laughs> I was going to say the Furby would out itself because you'd hear Me it through the hungry. box. <laughs> <laughs> uh and so their items got locked up. The medium described all the items inside, and she even read the faded inscription on a ring that someone <gasps> had put in there. Ooh. So it sounds pretty convincing, but then, especially because the medium, I think she was she was tied to a chair, the lights got turned down, and she apparently went into a trance. Okay. What pushes the, the envelope a little further is that then this mist materialized behind her into the shape of a woman oh. and it drifted around the room and then evaporated into a wall. So okay. spoiler alert, at least what I assume is the spoiler alert. Anytime we've ever covered like mediumship and ectoplasm, it's usually a disgusting combination of like egg whites and cheesecloth. So disgusting and strings or something. <laughs> so I'm guessing that's probably what it was, but Doyle was very impressed and he was skeptical about the ghost, which good for him because it turned out that the entire thing was a hoax. <gasps> oh, boy. I mean, I guess I sort of saw that coming, but oh, boy. I, yeah, especially if you're a, a fervent believer at a time when it's all the craze. So I feel like yeah. you really don't want your experience deflated at all. No. And I do wonder, like, so how we don't know. Do we know how the hoax was perpetrated i assume like somebody knew all the items and was like whispering them to this woman or i think so i don't i don't know for sure but i that seemed to be another regular way that mediums were found out is there was usually a plant in the audience so uh another way that there was some fraudulent activity being exposed was through spirit photography Mm. So spirit photography was basically finding spirits in pictures. And I think a lot of ways that this was usually exposed, which is like a play on words, is that people found out that there were double exposures in the right. frames later. So you could sort of like layer a picture, mm -hmm. right? Like, okay, okay. So it would look like there was someone else in the picture with you. Mm. And he was shown these pictures and how they could be fake to have ghosts in them. But he was a staunch believer in spirit photography. This was really? actually, this was a big turning point for him in Houdini's friendship. This was a big turning point for him in the SPR. This was a big turning point for him in spiritualism in general. Oh. He was very pro spirit photography, even though people were like showing him cold hard facts. <laughs> he was like, nope, <laughs> it's real. <laughs> so that was a, a big thing for him. I feel like it's one thing to have an open mind and believe that like, things are stranger than they appear but to be shown hard evidence and then not believe it it almost takes away from your own like argument i feel like how how can you defend you know your argument if you're not even believing if you believe literally everything is he was ghost. also he was doubling down for sure i mean even like right. his own friend houdini who was like I'm an illusionist. I'm showing you the illusions that are yeah. happening. Do you think he just wanted to believe it that badly that he like closed his? Because I mean, I think that's kind of close minded to like, you know, not even acknowledge that it could be faked. I wonder what the numbers looked like back then when spiritualism was hot and heavy. I wonder what the numbers looked like for people who were just desperate for it to be true so that they they knew that they were actually talking to someone on the other side that mattered right, to them. So right. maybe he thought, if I accept the part of it's not true, then maybe I'm not talking to my son. I don't know. 
And then you add doubt to the mix and maybe that was just something he wasn't willing to do. Yeah, that's surprising to me just that he was such a smart guy and so unwilling to accept that like he was being sometimes taken advantage of you would think if he's channeling sherlock holmes like he would like at least have a little bit of an analytical opinion right right exactly anyway here's uh where you find out that he's getting encouragement to be very Mm pro-spiritualism is arthur conan doyle's wife Jean was a self-proclaimed medium so okay and it (laughs) It seems like, and I don't want to poo-poo on actual, you know, real mediums out there, but Jean, it seemed like she was playing a game. Okay, well, to be fair, if I married this guy and he was like, I believe everything, I'd be like, let's play with that. You know, I'd be like, okay, I am actually, I can tell the future. You're going to take me to that cool beachside resort town in England. I see it in my mind's eye. You want to know what's so funny is so Jean, the self-proclaimed medium, was using a spirit uh, was or was a vessel for a spirit. I don't totally remember what the the right phrasing is, but she relied on a spirit guide called Phineas. Oh, and very often it seemed like Phineas was um, hmm, speaking for Jean on what Jean (laughs) might want. (laughs) He just had her interests uh, at heart. Okay, I get it. Yeah, it it always seemed like uh, Jean and Phineas agreed on a lot of stuff. On what to have for dinner, where to go on vacation. That beachside resort. And so the Doyles actually also moved houses and changed travel plans a lot after consulting with Phineas. So I feel like Jean... (laughs) She's a smart cookie is what she is. She was like, if you're going to make it this easy, Mr. ACD, we're going to do this. So, like I've mentioned a million times already, Doyle was also friends with Harry Houdini, the magician and escape artist. Mm. And their friendship was done after Houdini went to a seance where Doyle's wife claims (gasps) to be channeling Harry Houdini's mother. (gasps) What? Harry Harry Houdini and his mother were very, very, very close. kind of messed up. Interestingly, it was what got him into spiritualism because he was desperate to find a way to communicate with his mom. And so when... Arthur Conan Doyle's wife said, oh, I can channel her for you. She ended up writing down messages in English claiming that Houdini's mother was sending them to her. But Houdini's mother was an immigrant from Hungary who did not speak English very well. And so he was like, your wife is tricking me. I'm out. And that was the beginning of Houdini's whole story with spiritualism. Wow. Okay. So I called her a smart cookie. She can't be that smart of a cookie. Didn't even do her research. Like, don't do it to, like, someone whose whole job is knowing tricks up your sleeve, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's also a little unethical in my mind to do. It just seems very unethical. Yeah, not very nice. So what do you think? Do you think she was a a real medium or do you think she just wanted to be part of the craze? she was. Here's the thing. I feel like people have abilities. I do believe in psychic mediums. Absolutely. But I feel like especially at this time. It was so normalized. Um, I think we were talking about this recently. It was so normalized back then to have to just be able to communicate with spirits. And I think a lot of people took advantage of that. And you know what? I don't think everyone necessarily did it out of like a, you know, some sort of immoral viewpoint or angle, but maybe to fit in. Or like really believed they could do it. Like really said, Oh, I'm I could channel you know like maybe they really thought they were onto something but it was all in their heads i don't know i i don't want to say yes or no about this but i think but as far as it goes with like channeling houdini's mother i think gene was full of full of baloney i too am team baloney i think (laughs) 
Up next, I'll take you on Arthur Conan Doyle's final spiritual journey, and Christine and I will share what we believe when it comes to psychic phenomena. So during Arthur Conan Doyle's life, he wrote 13 books on spiritualism, uh, including a book called The New Revelation in 1918, and then a book called The Vital Message a year later, uh, in which he related his personal belief in the movement. And... In 1926, he wrote a two-volume work called The History of Spiritualism. He had a lot to say. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) And he basically, he complained about spiritualism's critics, in particular, those who considered themselves scientists. Well, if someone gave me a pen and said, complain about something, I could probably also write a two-volume book. But um, (laughs) so it's not that impressive. But all right, good for him. I feel like me, all my family, that could be a real family reunion experience. We each get one page and just complain, complain, complain. And it would still be. Oh, my God. One chapter? I don't know. It'd still be an encyclopedia by the end of it all. Absolutely. He also served as a president of three psychic societies, and he founded Mm. a psychic bookstore and a psychic museum, which I feel like he's just living out my dream at that point. He also wrote hundreds of newspaper and magazine articles, usually summarizing the beliefs and practices of spiritualists and defending spiritualism. And he spent a lot of time and money traveling the world to promote and investigate. Again, uh, my, it doesn't sound like a bad life. I know he's really, so it's like the cycle, like he's writing about these things to make money, to keep traveling, to experience what well, you know, time. actually so funny that you n- mentioned that because he actually wanted to give up writing Sherlock Holmes altogether and just focus on spiritualism. But his Sherlock Holmes books did so much <gasps> better that at oh. one point he tried to like he tried to kill off Sherlock Holmes in one of his <gasps> books. <laughs> what? Just so he would have a reason to stop writing them and focus solely on spiritualism. But then he wrote <laughs> another book and brought him back to life because he realized he needed the money to fund all of his spiritualism work. So uh, uh, what you're telling me is Sherlock Holmes was a ghost in the end. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of a plot twist that he would have loved. He honestly, it was a nice little uh, <laughs> a, a hand holding a perfect little Venn diagram, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so as for Doyle's last investigation in the fall of 1929, Arthur Conan Doyle was experiencing chest pains. Oh, no. But he ignored his doctor's advice and went on a spiritualism tour, which I think is ironic because wouldn't one of those spiritualists have been like, hey, you should actually go talk to that doctor. <laughs> She's like, don't don't read that book, but please go to the emergency room. <laughs> <laughs> don't read that book, but definitely come on tour with us and avoid the hospital. Oh, no. So when he got back, the pains got worse. And on July 7th, 1930, Arthur Conan Doyle died of a heart attack <sighs> after collapsing in his garden in Crowborough, England. Oh, no. So I we don't know how Sherlock Holmes was supposed to end, but we know what his opinion on spiritualism was until the end, at the very least. Wow. I wonder if he is now a ghost. You know, I wonder if he haunts anywhere. That would it'd be really ironic if he wasn't one. But like all the non-believers were ghosts. Like Houdini is a ghost and and Sherlock Holmes isn't. <laughs> yeah. Just a plot uh, twist I'm, for you. I have a hunch Sherlock Holmes is not actually a, a ghost, but I wonder. Oh, I do I, wonder. I meant, I meant ACD. Listen, in my head, they get confused. <laughs> <laughs> will Jude Law be a ghost is the real question. Jude Law will be most places where I am. So probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you'll manifest him to be there. <laughs> One day when he is a ghost, he'll keep bumping into you and he'll be like, what did I do to cause this? Christine, after everything I've said so far, where do you stand on 
do you think he was fully committed 100% to this? Um, or do you think maybe he was there for, we've said the word a lot, but maybe he was there for the whimsy. Maybe he liked the, the theatrics of it all. The theatric, you know, I lean toward, I think he really believed it. And I, I, I think that too. Go, you too, I think that goes hand in hand with the theatrics. It's almost like that drew him in and it like kept him there. It's very alluring to have something <laughs> so fantastical also be something you could very much believe in. I think he was 100% on board because, I mean, he left the he left the SPR when he felt questioned for being a believer. Mm-hmm. His friendship with Houdini was rocky over their differences. As far as I know, they were really close and he was willing to let that go. He didn't want to be known for his, like, very famous literary works. And he tried yeah. to, like, even, like, remove his himself from that world and folks and spiritualism he was all hands on deck as far as i'm concerned yeah it's it's like actions speak louder than words and he was acting like 110 percent of a believer (laughs) that's exactly it meanwhile over here uh well i would say (laughs) hmm how do i put this i would say i'm uh, i would be in the same camp as acd i think it's well it's well documented that i'm a fervent believer in just about anything. Uh, there's some more outrageous fringe things that I have been able to build all a wall up against. Yeah. But in terms of basic supernatural stuff of spirits or mediums or anything like that, I'm fully invested through and through. Um, also love the theatrics of it. I think you you balance me out pretty well, though, Christine. Oh, well, I, I, I would like to also be clear to you, Em, that I would never sacrifice our friendship like a Houdini and an a- uh, ACD just because of our any ghostly differences. But that being said, I think I'm more of a believer than Houdini was. Um, mm. I think I think I am more skeptical. I mean, a good example is like when we were in that hotel room in New Orleans and the, the knocking kept happening. I was convinced. I'm still slightly convinced. Maybe it was you or Eva or somebody. There was nobody there. But the second the knock happened... Even if it were Eva, <laughs> you were like, that's a ghost child. There's no denying it whatsoever. Um, and I feel not like that we are, not that we're currently sleeping in a building of hundreds of other families. <laughs> but you know what? And I and I say that sarcastically, but also in truth, like it yeah. was a ghost. It was a ghost. Yeah. So I think you are definitely more like 100 percent jump right in. Um, and, and you usually take me with you. Um, happily 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 dragging kicking and screaming yeah (laughs) so with all of the organizations i did mention earlier first of all it wouldn't hurt if there was an organization based around me but since this episode is about arthur conan doyle what do we think about (laughs) there being like a like a a society a high society we could call it acdc and the last word is just club it's just an acd club (laughs) oh my god it just happened wow (laughs) And just like that. Okay, and never mind. Like I don't that. need my own club. I just want to join this one. But I think maybe some lawyer somewhere is like, uh, uh you can't say that. I think that. it's ACDC's lawyer, to be clear. A- <laughs> um, no, I, I think there should, I think he there should be. It, right? Like he put enough time and money and energy into, into this whole field. He's right? certainly one of the people I look to the most. Honestly, what I think about like, a paranormal or psychical group like the Ghost Club or the SPR, 
I think it's time for there to be a new version, like the next generation. Which oh, is, a modern day. Okay. Which is why I think I should be the face of it if we're asking for things. But Okay. Uh, um, maybe you and sir. You don't have a sir before your name. I don't know that like. Let's that figure that out. Weight. How do we get knighted as fast as possible? That's the next step, I think, first. And then we'll then we'll create your new new wave club. I think so. You're on to something there. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Information on today's episode came from Biography, The Ghost Club, A History by Peter Underwood, The Vintage News, BBC, The Guardian, and the academic article, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Spiritualism and New Religions by Michael W. Homer. Remember to follow Rituals on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. And you can listen to this and all other episodes of Rituals for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. You can follow me at Xteen Schieffer. That's X-T-I-N-E-S-C-H-I-E-F-E-R. And you can find me at The M. Schultz. T-H-E-E-M-S-C-H-U-L-Z. Thanks again for listening. See you next week. Rituals is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Kristen Acevedo. Fact-checking by Cara McCarling. Research by Chelsea Wood. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Jonathan Ratliff, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Christine Schiefer and M. Schultz.